Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, Steve Largent. Uh, that's 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 fantastic. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a member of the NFL 100th Anniversary Team, and he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1995. He's also a former member of the United States House of Representatives. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Largent. Steve, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, Brett, my pleasure. Okay. What's tougher? I got three things for you. <laughs> slant slant root in the NFL, getting anything done in DC, throwing out the first pitch at a ball game. <laughs> uh, it's getting things done in DC. It's tremendously frustrating. Uh, I can throw a pitch. I can run a, any kind of route you want to run, but uh, getting things done in Congress is just hard. And I think the founding fathers knew that, and that's why they created a system that it would be difficult. Um, and uh, it, it, it certainly is. All right. Steve Largent, born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You grew up in Tulsa. Uh, I want to hear about Steve Largent as a kid. What was your childhood like? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, I, I was born in Tulsa and raised there until I was six years old. My dad divorced my mom, and my mom moved back to Oklahoma City, uh, where my her parents were and so i basically graduated high school from putnam city high school uh, in oklahoma city and uh, then came back to the university of tulsa so it was kind of a, a full circle um and really it was the influence of my grandfather my mom's dad uh who influenced me to uh, consider going to the university of tulsa and i'm glad he did and uh, he was really influential in my life uh, especially that you know time from time I'm six or seven years old to the time I'm in high school, uh, my grandfather was really the guy that uh, supported me, loved me, uh, encouraged me, and uh, just was a, an all-around um, substitute dad for me. Was it always football? Did you play other sports? No, I played baseball and played football, uh, and that's all I played. Uh, but... Um, I had a great baseball coach in uh, Putnam City High School. We won the state championship my senior year. A guy named Bob Shirley, who played 10 years in the major leagues uh, and played for the University of Oklahoma uh, before that. But um, uh, he was a great player and uh, helped us uh, go on to win the state championship. And that, was, that really was one of the highlights of, uh, of my life was uh, winning that state championship. You, you mentioned your grandpa who's a big influence in your life, especially through your childhood. Um, and, and he was one of the reasons you went to Tulsa. Um, yeah. How was the recruiting for you out of high school? You're getting a lot of attention? Uh, or? Not, I was not getting a lot of attention and a lot of schools were like, you know, uh, uh, small, small division two schools. Uh, I did get recruited by TCU and that was a, a, a significant school.
school. Um, they didn't have a great football program at the time, but, uh, you know, they still played in the Southwest Conference. And uh, so the TCU recruited me. Um, I got recruited by uh, Arkansas. I was recruited by Wichita State and the University of Tulsa. Uh, and then there was, you know, three or four small colleges, uh, Division two schools that uh, also pursued me. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't I, – there weren't a lot of people knocking on my door. So you're off to Tulsa. I think the year is 1972. Um, and, and doing my research, I, I read through hell of a player in college, set a bunch of school records in 1974, five TDs in, in one game. Uh, just take me through those college years and that the difference from from high school to college, if there was that big of a difference for you. I mean, because we all go through and whatever our, our respective sports, there's different levels, you know, high school to college uh, f- for a baseball player. It's college to that to that low minor leagues, to that mid tier minor leagues and, and ultimately the big leagues uh, football, a little different uh, with with college kind of being your minor leagues. But just take me right. through the adjustment if there was much of one for you. Yeah, there, well, I, number one, I had a great high school coach, uh, football coach, and uh, he was um, just, just he, he was kind of hardcore, uh, but he, he wasn't so hardcore that you didn't like him. Uh, but he, he was a, just a real class uh, guy and a class coach, and um, we didn't win the state championship in football. We did in baseball, but not in football. But he was, he taught me a lot just about life and taught me a lot about how to play football. And uh, he was the guy, I was a running back when I came to Putnam City High School as a sophomore. And uh, he moved me to wide receiver. And I kind of felt like that was, you know, that he was sending me out to, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, 10 buck two. Uh, but, you know, so I, I really competed uh, hard to try to win a spot uh, on the, uh, uh, the varsity as a sophomore. And I did that. Uh, I was an alternating guy uh, my sophomore year and then started my uh, junior and senior years, but uh, just had a great coach uh, taught me a lot about football, how to play, how to compete. And uh, then I was uh, with the university of Tulsa and it was really a godsend because while I was being recruited, uh, there was one head coach there and uh, he got fired after the season was over. And uh, F.A. Dry, uh, he took over and became the head coach. He was the, uh, he was the athletic director, then became the head coach. And he hired Jerry Rome to come in and uh, be the quarterback receiver coach. And so uh, Jerry was, had just finished his playing career in the NFL and uh, came, to, uh, came back to the University of Tulsa, his alma mater, and uh, we started teaching us how to, how to throw the ball and how to catch it and how to run routes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Jerry was just a, a, a great coach and a great friend. And uh, it just so happened that when I graduated from the University of Tulsa, uh, Jerry had taken a job in the NFL. Uh, he went to the Seattle Seahawks, who were in their first year of the franchise. And um, so he... Uh, he, he told all the scouts in Seattle, he said, man, you guys got to get Largent. Uh, and so, you know, there I slipped from first round, second round, third round, and then the Houston Astros picked me up. Not Astros, but the Houston Oilers picked me up. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be an Oiler. And I didn't know, I didn't have a clue who the Houston Oilers were. I'd never seen them play on TV and, or anything like that, but I was going. And, uh, but Jerry was still 
you know, tracking, uh, you know, my, my progress in the league. And, uh, you know, pretty soon he saw my name come across the waiver wire and they, they had to deal what was called recallable waivers. And, uh, so the, the, the Oilers put my name out there across the wire and just to see if anybody would pick me up. And so Jerry jumped on that opportunity and, uh, he picked me up and, and, uh, I, I went to Seattle and then, uh, lo and behold, he had put in our entire passing game that we used at the University of Tulsa into the Seahawks game plan. And so when he said, you know, line up, split right, uh, 79, I knew exactly what I, what the route was, how many, how deep I'm supposed to run it, what my adjustment is if they roll up and all that stuff. Uh, so it just was second nature to me when I first got to Seattle and these guys were still trying to learn the offense. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a real, encouraging uh time to be reconnected with jerry but uh, i just can't say enough how much he did for for me and for my uh you know uh you know my uh, ability to to be able to play in the nfl it, it it's a real interesting story of how you got there obviously once you get to seattle and it's a new franchise the rest is history on how how your nfl career goes but but the route that you got there you know you 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 go to houston and then all of a sudden you're in seattle and and we had your buddy on recently i know you just got back uh from a trip with him jim zorn and oh, and yeah. he was coming in at the very beginning of the franchise too he had a a fascinating story about his career and how it went and yeah. and we'll talk about you two being kind of hooked at the hit hip history wise a little bit later but you brought up something that's really interesting to me and now i'm going to just sit here and be the student um so much is discussed in football, especially at the NFL uh, NFL letter level of the quarterback and, and the draft and how, man, just coming right from the college draft to to the starting quarterback, how difficult it is because how uh, how tough it is to learn the system. You mentioned as a as a receiver, you had already known that those plays. How important is it? How tough is it, say, compared to that quarterback position of learning a new system? You already knew it. So that was a big advantage. I would I would think you saw in your eyes. But but what is it for the normal player that goes from draft to the NFL as a wide receiver? I think it's I think it's really difficult. Um, You know, a lot of receivers in college, uh, their coaches don't take the time to teach them the game. So they never learn to you know, uh, observe the, the pre-snap look, you know, where, where's that linebacker lining up? Where's the strong safety at? Uh, is he going deep? Is he coming, is he coming to support the run or is he going to blitz? Uh, and, and guys just really are not taught in college, not, not in very many colleges to actually read defenses before the snap snap count, uh, takes place. So, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, a lot of colleges shortchange players by doing that um, because when you get to the NFL level, uh, a lot of coaches expect you to already know that, and, and they're not going to take a lot of time to spend uh, teaching you things that they feel like you, you should have learned in college but didn't. And so it, 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 it's hard on some guys uh, that, that come into the NFL and not having been coached and, and taught – uh, how to play wide receiver. And, uh, you know, that goes for, you know, whether it's blocking or running routes or catching the ball, 
um, you know, you, you've got to know what you're doing uh, before the ball snapped. And I think, I think there are a lot of colleges that uh, shortchange players because they don't really, um, they don't, they don't teach them the game. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone Podcast. Dan? Hey, thanks, Boone. Football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. Hey, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So why wait? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code Boone, B-O-O-N-E. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code Boone this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now we're back with NFL Hall of Famer Steve Largent. You're heading to Seattle. You're headed to the Kingdome. I know it well <laughs> on the baseball side, man. That was a that was a hitter's dream. It was like playing a pinball game. But uh, <laughs> it was interesting when I talked to Jim about it. He said, he said, Brett, you know, and they and I heard I was going to the Seahawks. And when I was talking to him on the phone, I said, well, do you guys play the <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys? Yes. Do you play the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> yes. He goes, that's how I knew the Seattle Seahawks were, were really in the NFL. He said, I had no idea what to expect. And, and in, you know, in Jim's uh, career as well, the rest is history, his, his beginning with the Seahawks. But how is that coming from Tulsa? Obviously, you had a pitch stop in, in Houston. But uh, how was that coming to Seattle, going from Tulsa football? Now you're in a major city. You're playing in the Kingdome. That first year, you have a great year. Uh, your total yards are 705 in, in, in your, your maiden voyage. So how was that adjustment from, from college to the NFL? You know, it was, um, it, it, it was hard, uh, but that was primarily because of my experience that I had with the Houston Oilers for six weeks. Uh, but when I got to Seattle, uh, we were running the same offense. And so there was not very, not as much of an adjustment for me going from Houston to Seattle. Uh, but the game itself is, was faster. The game is faster. The players are bigger. The players are stronger. Uh, and so you, you got to adjust, uh, to, to, to those situations. And, uh, you know, I felt like that I was, uh, you know, still learning the game uh, and learning the position, uh, despite the fact that I was, you know, playing in the same offense. Uh, there's still some things that I had to learn. And uh, so I, I was I was learning on the run. Uh, but we just had, you know, our, our first first year franchise in Seattle uh, was probably one of the most fun times that I, I had playing football. 
Uh, we had a great group of guys that came from all different teams in the league uh, or were draft, draft choices. Uh, and, and we just had a, a great group of guys that um, really uh, made the season a lot more bearable. We didn't win a lot of games. I think we won, we were two and 12 or something uh, that first year. But, uh, you know, we, we won a couple games and uh, kind of got our, uh, our, our noses bloodied a little bit. But uh, there were some great people on the team that I learned a lot from, guys that had played for the Miami Dolphins or, or Dallas Cowboys or whatever. And, and so I could, you know, sit down with them on the plane to the next game and just say, you know, when you're with the Cowboys or when you're with the Dolphins or whatever, um, you know, how did you guys prepare for this or how did you guys do that? Uh, so I, I, I was just picking their brains and uh, learning as much as I could uh, on, on, kind of on the run, and uh, it was really helpful to me. 78, you kind of come into your own. Um, total yards, 1,168. You, you make your first Pro Bowl. Uh, in 79, you make your second Pro Bowl. You lead the league in total yards. Uh, 81, Pro Bowler again. I want to talk about your relationship with with uh, Jim Zorn and how important that was. And you know, I think of I think I I think of this all the time. Comparisons in sports, and and it's across all sports. You know, basketball, football. There's combos, and, and there's people mm-hmm. that are talked about long after they're done playing. You know, for me in in the baseball world, I think of. Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell, the, the double play combination in Detroit for years and years because they both came up to the big leagues together. And I think they both retired around the same time. It's very unique in baseball. You know, me being a second baseman, I had some really good partners over there at short, but I didn't have one my entire career. And, and there are mm-hmm. very few that do. How do you see that comparison? Is, is it more of, is it a Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, or is it a Montana Rice? How do you think of, of Jimmy and yourself? Well, you know, Jim and I had uh, one thing in common, and that was, well, we had two things in common. One was we wanted to win uh, with a passion. And two, we were willing to work to afford us the opportunity to win. And so long after our teammates were going into the locker room, we were out there on the practice field working on our routes, working on our throws, working on uh, all the different things that we were preparing for that week's game. And, uh, and if it was before the season, Jim and I were out there on the field working on routes. And uh, we, we just we just each uh, had a – real strong desire to win which gave us a real strong desire to work hard uh you know nothing comes easy in professional sports whether it's baseball or football or whatever uh you got to work at it and so we both understood that and we both uh had that kind of um you know uh mindset and so it was not not it was no sweat to stay out there on the field for an extra 30 minutes or an hour and just keep working until we got a route down or we got a throw down uh, or we're working inside the 20 uh, or we're trying to go deep or we're working on a short game, whatever it was, uh, we, you could count on us uh, working it to perfection uh, so that when Sunday came, it was, you know, it was easy because we'd done it a million times in practice already. Um, 
So it was, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a uh, a great marriage uh, between Jim and myself because uh, we both like to work, uh, we both love the game, and uh, so it was it was just uh, it worked for us. And I love how you talk about the the difference in college and and pro. It's it's it is a speed thing, and I think that once again that that goes across a lot of lines in in professional sports. Um, you know, in, in, in the baseball analogy, it's that minor leagues and, and you're in a ball and, you know, the players are starting yeah. to get pretty good about a ball double a. Wow. If you can compete at the double a level, you have a chance to one day be a big leaguer, but people, they debate back and forth. What's the biggest jump? And I laugh. I said, what's the biggest jump? It's not even close. It's anywhere from the minor leagues to anywhere in the big leagues. Cause I, I sat there, you know, I sat there in triple a and I'm thinking, okay, we're, we're facing that, that, that number one pitcher for whoever the opponent is. And he's really good. Well, I go to the big leagues, that number one pitcher is that number fifth guy, or maybe the sixth guy. There's no, there's no Randy Johnsons in triple you know, that that's like the college game. So yeah, it's, it's, but the NFL and, Oh, and recently when I was, uh, I went to, I went to a college game. I took my kids, actually, my dad joined me recently. We went down to the USC uh, game, you know, my alma mater and, it it just once in a while I get down on the field and and just interact with these players and you forget uh, Steve how how young these guys are now you know we yeah. always consider ourselves kids and it seems like I was in college yesterday but I'm looking at these kids and they're they're younger than my kids uh, yeah. but they are yeah. big they are big and and that's not even close to to what the NFL has to offer but yeah very interesting but speed uh, we have that 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 same thought process. It's all about speed in the NFL yeah. in baseball. It really doesn't matter how big you are. I think a lot of guys have proven that we're watching Altuve in the, in the world yeah. series. And, and that's how much size matters in, in baseball, but in the NFL, it does matter. And, and we just played a, a recent um, golf tournament together, by the way, I'm, uh, Steve Largent's a little taller than me for those of, of you out there <laughs> listening to the Boone podcast. <laughs> All right, I want to get back to your career. Uh, what a career it was! You, you uh, total yards eight times. You went over a thousand. Uh, you ended up going to four more Pro Bowls, seven total in your career. Uh, your career goes through nineteen eighty nine. Um, let's talk about Seattle and when you came to that city. I, I came there as a rookie in ninety two. It was Kingdom. It was Mariners had never done much. In that mm-hmm. city, I came back in 2001 uh, to kind of a different city and, and Safeco Field rocking. Uh, what was that city like when you came there and, and compared to the current uh, Seattle that we know? Well, I would tell you that, that the fans in Seattle have always been great. Um, and they have always been more like a college uh type of fan base as opposed to, uh, you know, professional fan base. Uh, they have always been very supportive, very vocal. Um, but, you know, I, I can never remember coming out of the kingdom and hearing fans either talk bad about the team we played or talk bad about our own team. Uh, they were always complimentary and uh, gracious and uh, great, great fans. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't uh, say enough positive things about the uh, fan base that they have in Seattle. 
very rare thing, especially these days, but uh, playing your entire career with, with one organization. When you were with the Seahawks, how important was that to you? You know, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything that I ever thought about. Uh, you know, there was no such thing as free agency when I played. So, you know, that it wasn't even an option that you thought about going somewhere else. Um, and the only reason I came from another team was because I put me on the waiver wire and uh, Seahawks picked me up. But uh, so, you know, there wasn't really a, an, an opportunity for a player to go somewhere else um, of, of his own volition. But um, so I, I, it wasn't even it didn't even you know cross my uh, thought process at all. But, you know, I, I can tell you that I am glad that I played in the same place uh, for 14 years. A lot of guys will play, you know, someplace for two or three years now, and they'll go to another team, then go to another team. They'll end up playing for three or four teams. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that as much. Uh, you know, I, I think it's great to have free agency, and it's helping players' salaries and things like that. Uh, so I understand that. But uh, at the same time, there's, there's something about playing for the same franchise and uh, establishing a base of support. Uh, for the team and for for yourself, uh, but uh, and and I, I certainly did do that. Nineteen ninety two, uh, you get inducted to the Ring of Honors for the Seahawks, and they retired number, which uh, pretty big deal, you know. Getting get getting in the Ring of Honor, that's that's kind of a big deal, but you get that number retired. Uh, that's where it's at. One one step short of having a statue. But it brings me to 2000, 2004. I remember I was playing in Seattle at the time and, and uh, sitting down having a – I forget where I was. I was at a steakhouse, and in, in walks Jerry Rice. And that's the one time and that having a number retired, Jerry Rice, also number 80. You let him wear your number. Uh, what was that conversation like? You know, that this is a, a longer story than you want to hear, but uh, I would tell you that I can't remember the guy's name that was the general manager at the time, but he, he sort of, well, we call it okey-doke. He kind of okey-doke me. Uh, and that means that he told me one thing, he told Jerry another thing. And what he told me was, hey, Steve, we're, we just, we're, we're going to pick up uh, Jerry Rice. He's coming to play for the Seahawks. And, uh, you know, we know we know your your number's retired, but um, Jerry really wants to wear number eighty in honor of you. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Okay, no problem. And, and he tells Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice isn't even thinking about wearing my number. But he tells Jerry, "Hey, Jerry, Steve Largent really wants you to wear his jersey number." And Jerry didn't have any intention of wearing number eighty as the man in the moon, but he said, "Well, if he wants me to wear it, I'll wear it." And so he ended up wearing 80 and, and we, we both kind of got uh, hoodwinked, if you will, uh, by that happening. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. And uh, so that's OK with me. Oh, that's amazing. Because I, I looked at that. And I'm like, well, Steve, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Uh, Jerry Rice, one of the greatest receivers receivers yeah. of all time i'm sure if he asked steve steve say yeah that's fine it's kind of the, what we do and and uh, it's kind of professional uh courtesy 
But, right. but the way you tell it, that's, that makes for a better story, yeah. I guess. Well, if, if, if Jerry would have asked me, and that's what I was told he was doing, if Jerry would have asked me, I would have said, hands down, absolutely, you can wear it if you want to wear it. Uh, but it wasn't him asking. And so that actually makes me feel better about Jerry, the fact that he wasn't asking to wear my jersey. It was, he, he, got, he got kind of hoodwinked, as I said. Uh, in the whole process too, but you know, it, that, that's water under the bridge. It's not a big deal. I didn't lose any sweat over it. I wasn't mad about it or anything like that. But uh, it was just interesting. <laughs> all right, when we all retire, we got we got things to do. I, I coached my kids a little bit. Uh, I worked for the Oakland A's for a couple of years. Um, you did something pretty unique. Now what? got you to think one day, all right, I'm going to run for Congress. You served from 94 to 2002. Uh, and when did you think about that? Start thinking about that. Uh, I didn't think about it for one second. My wife thought about it a lot. And so I had retired from the Seahawks like four years before. And uh, she said, you know, and, and the guy that was in the seat uh, that we lived in that his district he was going to move and he was going to run for the Senate seat that David Bourne had just uh, vacated. And so there was an open seat in, in, in the first congressional district. And uh, my wife came to me. She said, hey, you got to do this. This is I said, we got four kids at home. What am I going to be doing, you know, flying back and forth from Washington, D.C. And you're chasing kids all over the place. She goes, she goes, I'll take care of the kids. You, you, you run for Congress. And uh, let's just see what happens. I said, okay. And so I was kind of a, a, a reluctant candidate. Uh, but, you know, my wife was behind me. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I set out on a course and uh, we executed a game plan and, and, and it worked out really well. Uh, I, I ran against, I think there were six or seven guys that were running uh, for the first congressional district in the Republican uh, side. And um, I ended up winning in a in a in a tight race, uh, and then went into a general election and, and uh, beat the Democrat that had won his primary. And uh, there I was in Congress, and you know, lo and behold, and uh, you know, I, I would tell you that of the you know almost eight years that I served in Congress, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, I learned so much of just uh, the history of our country, the history uh, of Congress, uh, and uh, just serving in a body that uh, sometimes it worked really well and sometimes it didn't work at all. Uh, but uh, I, I, I saw all the, uh, the fallacies and the flaws of the human nature, and, uh, and, and yet I saw you know, some of the great things about uh, human nature and how uh, we can rise to the challenge. I was in Congress when 911 occurred. And uh, that was that was one of the finer days of Congress. Uh, after that time of uh, so much turmoil, uh, we really uh, rose to the occasion at that time, and uh, it was it was amazing to see. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was not anything that I ever had uh, written in a book saying, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do when I when I grow up is uh, go to Congress." Uh, I, I I didn't have that in mind at all. 
Yeah. And my whole life, you know, I, I, I've been really apolitical. I mean, I tell people all the time, it, it's a different world right now, as, as everybody knows. It, it was a different mm-hmm. time when you, when you were in Congress than, than the current, uh, the current atmosphere oh, is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, my kids, I, I mean, when we were kids, I don't know about you, Steve, but I didn't have a ever have a political conversation when I was a kid, you know, in, in mm-hmm. high school or college. I never had a, an argument in a in a big league locker room about it. it. It was just different times. You know, I think I liked it better before social media. And, and I didn't know who you voted for. We were all just Americans and we may have some differences here and there, but we can hash them out and, and continue watching the ball game. And, and it's just different now than it, I, I don't know, you know. In, in well, definitely I, I my, you, my short you're, 50 you're years. Right. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I, I never had a political conversation. Uh, you know, I can remember the first political conversation I had uh, in football. And you know who it was with? Jeff Kemp. And, of course, really? his dad, Jack, played in the NFL and then went to Congress. And he was in Congress for a number of years. And, you know, Jeff would you know just sit down next to me on the plane and start, you know, uh, just – talking about various political issues and you know i was kind of thinking you know what's he doing over here talking to me about political issues for but that was really the first time i ever uh, was exposed to uh anything political uh was when jeff was picked up by the seahawks and uh and started having a conversation with me about it on, on the ride home from the last game and uh so i mean i, I he definitely was a, a big influence uh, in my life in that, in that respect. All right. Take me behind the scenes a little bit and then I'll get out of the, the, the political conversation. <laughs> how do you run? I'm just going to, from, from scratch, how do you run? Do you have consultants? Um, does somebody contact you and say, Steve, you know, you've been a big guy in the community, great Seahawk. We'd like you to run. I, I have no idea. What's it like to campaign? compared to to what you did for a living all those years all of a sudden you're on the campaign trail you gotta you gotta have your coat and and tie and everything's got to be ironed and you got to look a certain way how how is that all that is absolutely the truth and you know the the thing about it is that what what you have to do what i had to do was i had to make sure that my family was 100 percent behind what i was doing and by my family i mean my wife uh, just make sure that she understood the kind of sacrifices and time commitments that it would, would take in order to, to run and win. And uh, she, she fully understood it and was totally on board. Uh, so that gave me the green light. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I would say within the first week or two after announcing that I was going to run for office, uh, I got my political consultant, uh, this guy named Tom Cole, He's now in Congress himself uh, from another district in Oklahoma. But um, and so he and he, he was really great about working with first time candidates. He was working with uh, uh, Tom Coburn, who also ran that same year in Oklahoma and won his race. So he was running with some uh, actually is with he was J.C. Watts, uh, the great quarterback from OU. He was running the same year as well. And he was he was handling all three of our um, races. And so he, 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 he knew tons about how to run and how to win and what you needed to do and uh, how you needed to do it. So he was a real godsend to me 
because like I said, I, I, I had not lived in that world before. Um, but uh, yeah, Tom Cole uh, really did a great job of uh, coaching all three of us and we all three won. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, it, it was a, a different time, but as it turned out, like I said, it was a, it was a great time. I feel like we did some uh, great things for the country and uh, great things for Oklahoma. Um, and it was a unbelievable, awesome experience for me. How was that first time walking in, uh, to the house of representatives? <laughs> it, it was, it was awe inspiring. It really was. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was a guy walking into a stadium and I knew how to do that, but walking into the house of representatives and, uh, you know, seeing the people there and the speaker up at the dais and, um, you know, seeing people, uh, that I had come to know either on the Republican side or Democrat side and, uh, just listening to their, uh, uh reasoning or, or debating or whatever. Um, it was, it was really, it, it was, it was a very cool experience. Now you're coming in as Steve Largent though. And I think at the time, all time, uh, leader did, how, how did they receive you? Was there a, a bit of a, oh, there's Steve Largent. You know, I watch you on Sundays. Or was it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Take me, take me through for someone that's well, never was, run for Congress. It was mainly, yeah, it was, it was mainly, uh, they wanted to know, uh, they wanted, they had football questions for me. You know, what's it like going over the middle and catching a pass that's thrown high and all those linebackers are around it? You know, what's that like? Uh, or I remember when I when you you played a game and you caught a touchdown against so and so and that was awesome and you know they they had all the stories uh, and, and and all the questions uh, about playing in the NFL. I mean they 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 were asking more questions than I was, uh, which which made my entry into uh, politics and into the House of Representatives a lot easier because uh, I I saw hey these guys are just like me, uh, or they're just like other people that I hang out with. They, they're interested in football and, uh, they've got, they've got questions and, uh, I've been answering these same questions for years. Uh, so it was really easy to form great friendships there, uh, with, you know, various men and women on, on, on Republican and Democrat side. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting to, to, to see the reaction that they had. Uh, of me, uh, because, you know, they, they had not, I mean, Jack Kemp had been in the house of representatives, but he has been gone for quite some time. And, uh, so I was just the, the next guy. Uh, and there was a lot of guys that, uh, knew of my career and uh, just wanted to hear all the stories. 1995, you get that call. Um, something we all dream about, um, football hall of fame. Take me through that day. Well, it, it was uh, it was kind of an interesting day because I, I, I watch how they do it today, how they inform players that they've been inducted in the Hall of Fame and uh, all the things that they do and uh, opportunities that they have. But that none of that was occurring back in 1995. So I was uh, in my first year of Congress. I'd been elected in 94 and started serving in 95. Actually, I started a little bit early. But um, uh, so I was um, just kind of, you know, 
feeling my way around, making sure I was uh, doing the right thing in Congress. And then I get elected to uh, the, the NFL Hall of Fame. And they called me and uh, they said, hey, Steve, we just want you to know you've been elected to the Hall of Fame and uh, we're going to be back in touch with you. Uh, but congratulations. Talk to you later. And <laughs> boom, they hang up the phone. <laughs> and that, and I was actually at, at a church where my son was playing basketball. Um, and so I was there watching him play basketball. And uh, when I got the phone call uh, on that Saturday morning, but um, yeah, it was, it was a lot different that uh, they said, yeah, we'll call you and uh, set you up. We get, get you, we get a, a yellow blazer and, and uh, uh, we'll get you hooked up there and, and you're going to come to uh, Canton in uh, Ohio. I said, okay, great. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. And so I'd call my mom or my dad or, you know, somebody I, I, I was calling people uh, left and right watching the game uh, just to tell them that, that I had I had been inducted in the Hall of Fame, which was a really cool thing. It was cool that I was elected in the first year that I was eligible. And uh, so that was all, all pretty neat stuff. And you're just collecting jackets in 2019. You get a red jacket uh, <laughs> yeah. for the hundredth anniversary all time team. I was thinking about this bef- before we uh, sat down to do this show. And I thought Canton is for an NFL player is the ultimate, but this is kind of yeah. another level. Uh, this 2019 uh, award that, that you've accomplished putting that red jacket on being one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, how special was that? You know, it, it was special just because of the group of guys that, that got elected with me. Uh, but, you know, it's not like it, there's not a fraternity. There's not a club for the top 100 players of the first 100 years of the NFL. Uh, the, the people that I really uh, feel close to are the guys that have been inducted in the Hall of Fame. And this was just kind of something to, you know, for the hundred years of, of the of the NFL, um, and that's cool. And and uh, you know, I think it's it's uh, nice to have. But I I never wear that uh, red jacket. I'll wear my Hall of Fame jacket back to the Hall of Fame or wherever. But uh, I don't wear that 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 red jacket very many places. I don't wear it at all, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so yeah, so the people that I really have bonded to over the last 25 years or whatever it is, um, are the guys that uh, have been inducted in the hall of fame, uh, either before me or, you know, when I was inducted or since I've been inducted, uh, I've, I've met and uh, got to know a lot of really great guys that, uh, have great hearts, uh, play, were great football players, obviously. Uh, but you can tell, I mean, just the character and uh, the integrity uh, that they have in their life. Uh, that's the thing that that helped them be successful in football. Uh, the hard work, um, all those things that, you know, uh, I, as it turned out, I was doing that stuff, too. And uh, so and it worked out. All the achievements in your career, and there's a lot of them. Uh... What means the most to Steve Largent? You know, really the thing that I, I uh, enjoyed most about my uh, playing time were my teammates. Uh, the guys that I got to know, we were, we were on a different level uh, with one another in the locker room and riding the team plane back and forth, um, you know, sharing the, the victories with one another and, and the pain of defeat. 
Uh, all those things uh, are just really special memories uh, that I have. But those guys that I played with uh, in Seattle, uh, all of them, uh, are, are you know what what I really hold dear in my heart uh, when I think back over my NFL career. Coaches too, coaches and players, and trainers for that matter. Uh, all those guys that were in that locker room um, were just really meaningful to me. Well, Steve Largent, it's it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. One of the one of the more humble Hall of Famers you'll ever meet. I really appreciate you coming <laughs> on the. I, I really appreciate coming on the Boone Podcast. And what we do each and every time is we bring back the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, to ask a question from the fans. Dan, Steve, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing? All right. This question comes from Jimmy in St. Charles, and he wants to know this. Steve, were you ever able to use any of your football skills for your political career? Ah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think just uh, what I would do as a football player was I was tremendously organized and prepared for every game that I played. So I, I knew the playbook uh, left and right, uh, and I understood what we were doing. Um, and I understood what the coaches were trying to accomplish. And I was a real student of the game. I watched a lot of film. Uh, I understood, you know, the, the defenses that we were going to face. So I, I was just always very uh, prepared as a player. And that's what I really did uh, as a member of Congress. You know, you got to read bills. You got to understand what you're voting on, um, how you're going to vote, uh, how you're going to represent those people who voted for you. Um, before, I mean, when you, when you were elected, um, that's what you're doing. You're, you're a representative representing, uh, the majority of people in your district. And so, uh, I, I just tried to always be prepared and, um, and able to, uh, play football as well as, uh, represent people in the house of representatives. I was really hoping you were going to say you, you were tackling people up and down the hall. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I was a I was a receiver. I I, I didn't want to tackle people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they Steve, were so easy to hit. Steve, don't mind Dan. <laughs> now it's just the, it's the kid in me. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Sir. we really appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Mailbag. All right, Butter. You know that sound, right? It's mailbag time, Dan. Mailbag time, Butter. This one comes from Jenny in Cincinnati, and she wants to know this. Brett, Halloween just came and went. What is your favorite candy bar of all time? Marathon bar. A marathon bar? I haven't heard of that in years. <laughs> well, I wow. figured nobody, 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 nobody think that you think I'm going to say Snickers. Does it even still exist? Uh, I haven't heard of a marathon Snickers, bar. Snickers, Milky Way. Actually, I'm kidding. Marathon <laughs> bar. It looks like it looks like a pretzel, like a Philly pretzel. But it's chocolate. I just said that to throw you off. I I don't know. Push comes to shove. I got one. I'm not a huge chocolate guy. I like the crisp rice. You know, those uh, the crackle. Crackle crackle is an underrated one. You're right. I love it. Um, Push comes to shove. I just need something. I need some energy. I'm up on a mountain hiking. Give me a Snickers. Snickers is delicious. Mine is the Mr. Goodbar. I have yet to find a Mr. Goodbar that did not make me the happiest person in the world. 
<laughs> Even better than a woman. All right. Back to the mailbag we go. Brett, this one comes from James in the Bronx, and he wants to know, Brett, what do you see in the future of my beloved Yankees? I see. I see good things. I, I think... The last four years, I, I don't think they've been good enough to go to the World Series and win the World Series. You know, I look at that team. There's a lot of talent on that team. I think they got to do some things this offseason to get to that next level, but they're more than capable. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to keep my bias out of it with, with obviously my brother being the skipper over there. Uh, but they definitely need to address some things this offseason. You need to address shortstop. need to address center field. Uh, and, and there's some questions in the catching position. So you address those three. I like the rotation they have in place right now going into 2022. Uh, I like the bullpen, but there's some tweaks and, and there's some things on the field that need to be addressed. And those are the three positions I outlined. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy. I am the technical director and producer of the Boone Podcast. Executive producer is Rich Herrera. Digital content that gets taken care of by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. While you're at it, give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boone Podcast. Leave a review on whatever platform you listen to this show and we will appreciate it. For all of us here on the Moon Podcast, I am Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. we do it again soon. Have a good night.